what is up everyone they didn't cancel me after the first episode we're back here for the second of what i hope to be many episodes of the big man bias i'm ashton gene lewis chaser for the houston cosmos if you missed last week's episode first of all shame on you second of all you can go check it out on the eighth man youtube channel i talked to all of jim daniels straight out of houston texas well straight out of nigeria uh i'm sorry the way you would say it if she was a fighter from houston texas by way of nigeria is how you would phrase it properly that's the that's the proper sequencing we talked about her athleticism how she has experienced her life here in the uh in the world of quidditch and how she feels like the game can get better she even gave you some fitness tips she's a bodybuilder that's what she does in her free time you know just gets absolutely shredded on a regular basis. Follow her on Twitter at all. I'm sorry. Follow her on Instagram at all of the gains. Her first name is Olive O L I V E, and then it's the gains with a Z, by the way, to make it cooler. Anyway, today's guest. I get. I could just let him talk into the microphone, but I feel like I got to give him like a, a, a really nice introduction. Uh, former teammate of mine from the Houston Cosmos, former Sam Houston State University. Well, really played all four positions, and that's actually one of my primary questions to ask him when we get to it. But uh, you know, well, most of you guys don't actually know what his real name is. Some of you guys know him as Tiger. Some of you guys know him, a select group of people, as Dirty Pants. Or DP for short, if you know Dirty Pants is the nickname. Uh, Gary Taylor, ladies and gentlemen, joining us here on the Big Man Bias. What's up, Gary? What's up, everybody? What up, Ashton? I just want to give you a shout out, man. Keep doing your thing. I see you making these moves on your. Or well, to me, this is the second podcast I heard you on. You started just making a name for yourself, man. So keep it up. Yeah, you know, Tiger. I, I, you know, since you're bringing it up, talking about making a name for myself, I don't appreciate you trying to dump your work as the as the um, the the elder statesman, if you will, of Quidditch on me. Like I saw you try to tag me in that whole thing. Like y'all should do video. Uh, y'all should do a video breakdown with Ashton. I was like, no, 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 Tiger. That that they asked you for a reason. It's because you've seen a lot of the game and they want your opinion. Don't try and throw me under the bus of having to do a bunch of this work for free. Uh, anyway, <laughs> man. Yeah, I pr- uh, appreciate you coming on the show, Tiger. And as a matter of fact, you are coming up on a pretty important decision, man. You claim that you're down for one more year, which you know, if you know anything about Quidditch, the oldest trick in the book. One more year is how long I'm willing to play Tiger. What What's the deal, man? How's your free agency going? Man, you well, you kind of gave away the surprise early. You know me. I always try to wait until that breakfast taco to make my decision. Just kind of slide in on the team when nobody noticed. But, yeah, man, I want to, after filming and hyping up so many people and me being hype on the sideline, not be able to run, I'm ready to get back on the field one more time. I still got some loose ends I need to, uh, you know, wrap up. So I can attempt to get in the big ranks with the big boys and ladies and non-gender. There you go. See, we're getting better already. There you go. Right there. Right here on the big man bias. Uh, Anybody can do a tiger. Uh, Since since we're talking about it already, man, before we get into before we take it all the way back, uh, back to day zero for you. But I'll ask you this, man. You had a hamstring injury that hampered you. Uh, I, I remember you coming to Cosmos practice, man. You had like all kinds of wraps on your legs. You had the old man workout get up on, which is, of course, is the extra baggy sweats with the long sleeves, no matter what the temperature <laughs> is outside. Even if it's 98 degrees out here in Houston, which if you're from Houston, you know, 98 degrees is actually 105 with the humidity. Tiger was out there in the full sweats because he had to stay warm, even when it was blazing hot outside because the hamstring can go at any given.
Kevin Point, man. What what's the deal with the uh, what's the update on the injury and uh, what's it been like? Is that like your first major injury in terms of sports? Well, because of Quidditch, I've played many sports. I mean, that's everybody's pretty much story. But I've never gotten seriously hurt until I played Quidditch. Three concussions, stitches, which I didn't even cause myself. I hit somebody else, and I gave myself stitches. And then shout-outs to Drew Fairchild, beater for Houston Cosmos. Because I was trying to train and because I was trying to act youthful, I erased him, and that's how I tore my hamstring. So if you want that video, talk to Drew Fairchild. It's not very impressive just me breaking down of my old age and falling on the floor, but because of him is why I missed basically a year and a half of Quidditch. So, and, and to be honest with you, Drew is not one to mess with. Uh, the dude, the dude, the only thing that only thing you could ever really take away from Drew is the the fact that he's shorter than the average guy, and he's not even shorter than the average guy. He's like five nine, right? Like, which is average American male height. But the dude literally can jump out of the roof. He can. Uh, he's crazy fast, crazy athletic. Although very, um, it's what's the term? He's not flexible. Like he's not flexible <laughs> at all. But for some reason, like when if it's like a foot race to one spot, I remember when uh, Beth and Ryan were on the team. Uh, shout out to the Peevlers. When they were on the team, there was one time we were playing at um, man. What is the tournament in Victoria? Thermopylae Cup, the first Thermopylae, Thermopylae Cup. And before Beth subbed into the game, she was like, hey, Drew, can you go get that uh, that bludger on the opposite side of the field behind the hoops? And dude's going, dude's trekking back, kind of like jogging back to the hoops to go tag back in, thinks he's got a free, a free bludger on his hand. Little does he know that Drew is literally on a full beeline to go get that ball. And he, he outruns a guy who had about a 20-yard head start on him. And I actually... Not surprised. I stopped being surprised about Drew, uh, Drew's athleticism a long time ago. He's one of the few people in all of Quidditch who has um, his main workout routine is the Ninja Obstacle Courts. Style yep, Ninja stuff. Warrior. Ninja Warrior workout routine. And if you've ever seen the show, there's actually a pretty major gym here in Houston. There's a guy from Houston who competed on the show, and I think he got to like the semifinals or something like that. Anyway, Drew works out and does that. That's his primary form of workout. If that gives you any idea of the athleticism we're dealing with here, man. But Tiger tells the story of trying to foot race one of the freakiest athletes that uh, I've ever played with in Quidditch, and, and, and somehow the hamstring gets a little uh, gets a little lame on you, man. How, how's the recovery been? What did you actually do uh, throughout that process? Because at, at certain points, like the hamstring is a mysterious – it's a mysterious – injury to have because you never know if it's fully healed because you can be like one step away from being right back to square zero right yes definitely so i I will say this disclaimer don't be like me go to the doctor get yourself checked out i am anti second person to say that on this podcast maybe it's a trend tiger Man, these are us Quidditch athletes, man. We like, oh, we'll just shake it off, throw some dirt on it, spit on it, you know, go back on the field. It's it's all in my head, and no, oh man, that hamstring. I think I ended up partially tearing it because after, okay, so after I'm racing Drew, fence to fence on this kickball field, halfway down, I'm like three steps behind him. Okay, five, you know. I'm going to give him the benefit of that because if you hear this, he's going to, you know, make me sound bad. So five steps. I'm being gracious. And I, you know, put my head down. I'm going to turn on the boosters. I'm going to beat him. And then, boop, I just hear a loud pop. I fall. I hit the ground. I'm in the most pain I've ever been in tears. Like, I've, okay, I do cry. I'm not afraid to admit that I cry. And I was bawling. And it's funny because I'm the jokester. Everybody thinks I'm kidding. And they're just walking over me, getting ready for the rest, next race. They noticed I'm on the floor. They just rolled me out the way. But, you know, enough of that. But recovery-wise, myself decided to keep trying to play. 
and I could only walk so many steps and I know there's my role that I need to run and go make some plays. Can't do it. I'm always falling out. I'm always giving out. So eventually that's why I started Tiger TV because I just couldn't play and it was just too painful. But it literally took all of that season. I was supposed to, I really love to play with Beth, Ryan, Richie, Houston Cosmos, everybody out there, plus Teddy. And I couldn't even do it. I can only practice so much. And, you know, that hurt me the most because having to stretch every day, it's brutal. I mean, it's been, what, two years, three years almost? Right. I still have to stretch it out, and I can still feel it sometimes where, you know, if I don't run for maybe a week or two, I start to feel it. So I constantly have to be stretching all the time on this hamstring. And, you know, what? had I listened to Olive five years ago to that podcast, I would have definitely been drinking water, been definitely doing my stretches because I didn't want to listen. That's that's kind of the aftermath of everything. So it's it's getting better now. So I think I'm ready to play one more time. I think that's all that I got left in the tank. Let that be a lesson to the youngsters out there. Youngsters and the oldsters out there. Everybody needs to drink your water. Uh, as a matter of fact, you should drink your water while you listen to this podcast. And uh, it'll help you out much. I appreciate that. Anyway, uh, Tiger, what's the what's free agency been like, man? Uh, who, who, what You got any idea who you're going to go with? Or what's the deal? Which way you leaning, man? Man, so shout-outs to my boy Trey Real Business, Trey the Snitch. Like, he was trying to convince me to come hang out with him and Lone Star, which, you know, I went out to the tryouts, and, you know, I got to play with them, but, you know, I wanted some time away from my best friend because you can't get biased on the field, and, you know, I want to give everybody else a chance to kind of shine, you know, especially my boy Philip O'Brien, hashtag do it for Phil's dad. You know, Phil's so- dad! My my first fan, by the way. So Phil's dad, I don't know what you know. If you might be listening, thank you, man, because he really gave me the oomph to you know really go out there and show up. Because before I was just like, eh, you know, I'll do it for my team. But when you have somebody cheering for you like that, that really has no affiliation with you, that's a different thing. Like you know, like who is this person cheer for me? I guess every time he cheers, I'm gonna do good. And okay, but anyways. Uh, no, I up, think... and, now, and now Phil's a dad, so now you got to do it for Phil and for Phil's dad. Got to do it for Kristen, do too. Shout out to Kristen. Do it for Grandpa O'Brien. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, man. But I'm, I don't sure where I want to go. I mean, I don't even know the season's going to happen right now. So, really? and... No doubt, man. We're, for Wait. the Cosmos, man, we got this interest form all set up. Kevin already did, like, the legwork on it. And I'm just like, I kind of feel wrong sending this out to people, you know? Yeah, I mean, I would just do it. I mean, even if I was to practice, you know, since I'm in Houston, I was like, you know what? I just want to be with the Cosmos. I'm just going to say it now. We can talk hours. I know you feel the same way I do. There's so many sleepers that don't get talked about. Right, like, right, right. You know, I, you know, I love playing against you because whenever I'm getting lazy and you hit me, I come off my feet. I'm like, all right, I need to start moving my feet. Like, I'm getting lazy. Ashton's going to kill me. So I need to actually practice. Uh, Lisa, I think she is going to be man, a phenomenal chick. Hey, 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 Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. Don't, oh, my don't, bad, don't, my bad. Don't be giving it away. They, they'll find oh. out soon enough. I think a lot of the, uh, she played on our, she was on the Brown team for Slam to Claws, and I think a lot of people were pretty shocked that she had only been playing for like three months. Uh, I just talked to her like earlier today, and she is like, uh, you know, she's working 100% from home and losing her mind. So, uh, hopefully Lisa's <laughs> all right. Shout out to Lisa, uh, one of I mean, honestly, one of the best random recruits the Cosmos has ever picked up, like a person who's never played. Uh, and she went out and she scored in every game we played in this season um, at least once. And then had multiple games where she scored twice, and she had never played Quidditch up until um, around this time last year. 
So, yeah, not not a, not a joke whatsoever when it comes to Lisa. But, yeah, sorry, Doug, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just couldn't have you giving away the game, man. No, you good. I mean, your passion radiates just like mine, man. I can – you please stop me because I can keep talking. People know me. Like Lucas, I always makes fun of Lucas Callens from Texas State, also another sleeper. Yeah, you know, I could talk for days about, you know, people that just deserve recognition or who has potential to be one of the greats. And there's so many like that. That's what I loved about being behind the camera, just to – kind of help push some of those storylines that people might not know because i mean there's a lot of people not in the southwest that you know hey man some of these athletes like you got to look at them i mean it may not be the best situation maybe just a bad tournament day maybe a bad game but that person is killing it and so i was really fortunate yeah and and like you said man and like you said man there's so many situations in the southwest where it's almost game to game uh because slipping up first half of the game and then or not playing snitch on pitch as tight as you possibly can, it, it flips on you real fast. You can be dominating in terms of quaffle points, and in the Southwest, like you know, you're you're always one you're always one game away from having your whole season kind of thrown off a little bit, especially if you came in with like high expectations. Uh, you look at what like Texas A and M did. Texas A and M, um, they they showed up to a bunch of tournaments. They're a high level team. Keaton uh, Keaton and all those guys. And I know he didn't play there anymore, but. Um, <laughs> But it's just it's 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 difficult to sit there and be that caliber of team and a team that expects to win every single game that they play, regardless of who's in front of them. Right. Like that's how good they are. That's how good their program's been. That's how good their system is. And, you know, the the, the couple losses here and there or like weird finishes at the game or how they got screwed at regionals when they had to play the most difficult part of their schedule. And that was what identified like that was what they were defined by. Their whole season was defined by playing the toughest teams in the Southwest and then going to nationals based on seeding. And it would have been interesting to see how they would have been stacked up against other teams because it on paper, they don't look, they don't look anywhere near as good as that team actually is. And that's always an interesting place to be or actually was. So hopefully they're coming back this year with a bunch of guys who are uh, just as talented. They usually do. A lot of people like to talk about Texas, Texas A&M has always got the business for a lot of people. And they have a weird place here in the Southwest where they're kind of cut off. It, and it's not intentional. Uh, shout out to my girl, Mackenzie O'Neill, who, you know, if it, if it was up to me, she would have been on varsity her first year because mm-hmm. one of the best athletes uh, I got to play with for the League City Legends. But uh, Texas A&M is kind of cut off communication-wise with everybody else. There's not um, – like, they're all cool. They're only hour – they're an hour and a half away from Houston. So kind of an awkward distance, kind of an awkward drive. And then they're – how many – was it two, two and a half from Austin – so it's yep, like they're, they're, they're kind of out there by themselves all the time. So for them to not have like a strong connection with teams that are close by, like the Cosmos has a connection with Sam Houston, who we'll talk about a little bit later on. Cosmos has a connection with Sam Houston, all kinds of stuff like that. Like the Cav, uh, Cav has a connection with Texas for obvious reasons. Uh, Texas State, same thing with THC Heat and Texas A&M. For as talented as, as all those guys are, they seemingly are kind of like out there on an island in terms of like the Southwest community as a whole. And they show up to tournaments and they do they put they put work in they put work in they get busy, man. Uh, it, it's been it's interesting to see how that has developed because I've talked to guys like Hank. Uh, and he mentioned like Texas A&M used to never be like that. They used to be one of the more sociable teams, and I'm sure you can attest to that too, uh, too Tiger. But it's uh, it's been interesting to see how these programs have developed into 
you know, the staples that we understand here in the Southwest. But like you said, a lot of those dudes, because they're not like popping on Facebook or they're not popping on Twitter or whatever it is, really, when it comes to the Kudis community on Facebook, a lot of people don't pay attention to them, right? And a lot of people don't give them the respect that they that they deserve. Uh, and, and it shows up because they're, they're players that you see on MLQ rosters. Like, it's there's no question about how talented those guys are. And guys yep, and definitely. everybody else in between. Yeah. Definitely. I agree with everything you said. And I think I just listened. Shout outs to Norris. I mean, I'm going to give you a lot of shout outs, but I was listening to their podcast and they had uh, Arian and Missy. And the one thing they talked about how Texas stayed off, of, you know, social media and like, hey, don't get wrapped up in it. I think Texas A&M definitely is on their own. But I feel like, you know, I can feel their passion that they have something to prove because, you know, people kind of sleep on them. And when they have it's like people hold them to the negative more than the positive. Like, oh, yeah, you see how well they balled out this tournament, but as soon as this tournament happens and, you know, crazy things happen, they don't give them any pass. And I will say, like, I, you know, as creepy as it is with Tiger TV, that was one of the things I did not enjoy was trying to go, I'm like, who is this person? And I was trying to slide into DMs and people are ignoring me and blocking me. I'm like, yeah, I know how this sounds. I look a little creepy. I, I know, right, I get right, it. Right. <laughs> but Texas A&M had definitely been a big advocate i mean i got to know all of them i mean the I mean, first time i seen hayden that's a that's a oh that's an athlete there i'm like yeah. a&m i always respect me even if i'm not on the field that's a scary team all of their players come out with such ferocity that they don't care who you are. they could be losing they're still gonna play hard and they're still gonna make you remember that you're not finna just come in here in this lane and finish just do what you want like the whole team is like that. Even every chaser, even the chasers that don't play minutes, hidden. I mean, that's how we met um, Adrian DeMoss. I think, what, 5-4? Hitting people? I was like, yo, come on. And that was, you know, all their chasers, all their beaters, all their seekers. So Texas and them got so much respect for me, especially over the season. Especially shout when out to, Car- shout out to their new head coach, Carlos. Oh really? I didn't even hear about that. Yeah, yeah, shout out yeah, to him, yeah. Man. They announced that uh, he's uh, he's the new head coach for this upcoming season, which means their strats about to be out of this world in terms of their strategy is about to be out of this world in terms of competition wise. So hopefully they get the right mindset, man. And you know we're talking about Texas, Texas A and M being you know a game that decides what happens. Texas, Texas A and M, Texas State, and getting in the mix of being you know, national title contenders if things go the right way, with especially with Carlos at the helm for Texas A&M with his, you know, he's a three-time champion. I know he doesn't like to talk about it, but he's a three-time <laughs> national champion and uh, Sam Houston alum, so he's seen a lot of quidditch in his time and played for the uh, played for Cav. So, you know, just got to hang out with the best team on the face of the planet for a really good chunk of time and be one of the beaters and knows how to get teams in the right positioning. But, uh, Tiger, I move on to the more formal part of the interview, man. Get people to uh, get people to know you a little bit better because uh, I know a lot of people know you from Tiger TV, but that doesn't mean they know you as a person. I start off with a real simple one, man. Where are you from? So, <laughs> my friend's going to kill me because they always get on me. So, I was born in Houston. Shortly after I was born, a couple of months I actually moved to Vista, California for seven years where I grew up. And then I came back to Texas where I spent the rest of my life so far. So, Yeah, man. So what, what was the move? The parents got a job or something or what? Oh, so my dad was a Marine. And okay. uh, I, I love California. It was nice, quiet. When I came down to Texas, I remember, you know, me, see, seeing my other family. They were like, what's up, Gary? And I was like, uh, huh? How you doing? Right, and right. they were like, oh, Lord. And I was like, what? I had to learn slang which is crazy. So, Yeah, no, I feel that. I feel you, uh, especially. Yeah, we can get into that later. But yeah, I know what you mean. I know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, you got any yeah. siblings, man? 
Yep. So uh, I have. Ooh, I gotta count them. Two brothers and three sisters. Okay. So wh- where where are you in terms of like the 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 order? So I am the second oldest. So my brother got the blessing of being the more most extroverted part of our family, the one cracking jokes. He's the comedian. So I'm the smart, quiet one. So that's my role in my family. So whenever we have reunions, I just sit there and listen. I'm the wallflower. And then I help everybody with their SAT and taxes and things of that nature. So that's taxes. awesome. Oh man, you 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 the tax guy in the family? All right, uh, that's that's <laughs> a fun job to have, I'm sure. Uh, so we move on to like your youth. You just said you spent a lot of time in California, uh, seven years in California. Came back to Houston. Uh, what sports did you play until you got to high school? Cause I want to keep that separate and kind of get a perspective. Cause at a certain point people live in a time, we live in a time now where people feel like they had to make a choice in high school in terms of what sports they were into and which ones they weren't. Uh, I'm, I'm a big non proponent of that, but tell me about the sports you played growing up until you got to high school, man. So funny enough, my dad, he got me in the little league football cause he used to coach uh, in Houston <laughs> for what we talked about for the Redskins. Oh, that's yeah, what their yeah. team was called. Uh, and then he tried to get me to play Little League Baseball, and I wasn't very good as a kid. Like, my dad's hardcore linebacker from Aldine High School, track runner. You know, sports live in my Your dad Taylor went to Aldine High School when they were, like, the yes, powerhouse program. Oh, he will let you know. If you say anything otherwise, he will fact check you about how long. One of the guys I you. used to work with was the head coach at Aldine, and he, he was the uh, head coach there like five years ago and they uh he had to give me a history lesson on just how dominant aldine high school was um and i i still don't believe him to this day i don't believe (laughs) that that happened (laughs) (laughs) trust me i live it every day and all that my dad is not one that he lives through me my dad wanted me to be better than him so that's why you kind of see like back then where I used to get frustrated. I'm like, come on, let's go. That's my dad in me. Like to like you gotta be the best you can and even better. And there's gotcha. no excuse for being, you know, bad because when I was little I was bad at sports. So I turned my life to music <laughs> in middle school. <laughs> I was a drummer of all things, but we still worked out like a sports team, which is crazy. Run with our drums, work out in the workout room, like it was crazy. So how big was uh how big of a influence was drumline in your life? Oh, pfft. drumline came out in eighth grade. I was not a snare guy. Snares, I was like, those are big. Well, I can't sit down there. Let me stop. But snares are basically the pretty boys to me. And I was like, bro, you know, you need to get on that bass line or that tenor line. Like, that's where all the creative magic happened. You know, of course, I met a lot of my uh, significant other exes, you know, because of drumline. Because, you know, that was the hot thing going on. Right, I'm- right, right. You had to pretend like you were a snare guy, though, right? That's... Oh yeah, you had you had to get away because if the, you somebody busted out and you, you know you had to show them them chops, you had to give them a little something, something. Yeah, yeah, I got you. You got the? Uh, did you have the cornrows or no? You didn't have the braids or anything? No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, my hair's too nappy for cornrows. So I feel that. I was just trying to get them that. waves, trying to be slashing. Oh man, uh, speaking of waves, you talk about your boy Trey Riles uh, trying to oh, get uh, at that man there. That might as well be a a, a therapy pool that man got in his head. He. I mean, he got some of the best waves in Quidditch. I'm just gonna say it hands down. You if go. you change my mind, yeah, you gotta show me. You gotta show me something better than what Trey's got going. But uh, <laughs> so you go, you you become a band guy. High school hits. What's the deal there, man? Uh, full array of sports that you competed in, or did you were you a band guy the whole time you were in high school? So I had to commit fully to band where we didn't even have athletic electives or gym. Right. Like it was straight drum because I mean we would train like we right. were. 
I was basically more in shape doing drumline than I was when I played sports when I was little. Like, it was serious. And the goal was to go to college and play, but I was like, I ain't about waking up at four in the morning. Like, I ain't, I love everything about them, but I ain't, I ain't going to do that. But drumline, I really loved it because I still stayed in shape. We still played with some of the football players before games on the parking lot, which I end up getting hurt, seriously hurt, you know, playing drumline where we would have, like, I went up for a ball, dude, freshman trying to be quarterback. We're like, dude, whatever, come on. Went up for the ball, didn't see the safety, ran into him, fell on the ground, looked up basically had a big gash in my lip bleeding so director wow. we had to run away from the whole school because he's like if you guys get hurt we ain't playing football no more especially front and you know we need y'all for you know the game so i'm literally four of my friends and me covering my mouth trying to dodge my drum director like he was an omega dude did not play he was old school he's <laughs> some old school coaches and stuff where you mess up he'll throw some at you and don't who you gonna tell you can't snitch so you had to take it and yeah, a lot of you especially young people, back then, man. especially back then, you really couldn't say shit. Um, no, <laughs> no, you really couldn't say anything like at all. Uh, so he used to slap us, hit us. I mean, you you had to act right. So oof. no doubt, no, I feel that. So so banned all the way through uh, senior year rolls around, man, and it's time to start making that that choice for colleges. What was that process like for you? And uh, how? Well, I'll ask this: Did you? So was Sam Houston your first choice? So, funny enough, I was trying to go to Prairie View or TSU, but like I said, the band thing wasn't fitting to me well. So, I ended up taking three years off before college. Uh, so, uh, hold on. Up- by the way, time out, time out. Tiger's goal, by the way, is the equivalent of going to um, like the Bama or Clemson right now in terms of sports of uh, of marching bands. He wanted to go to, I'm sorry, the, the Ocean of Soul, and then it's the Human Jukebox is Southern, right? What What's Prairie View's nickname? Uh, uh, it's been years. I don't know. I forgot. I forgot Prairie View's, but Texas Southern, my mom went there. So uh, the Ocean of Soul is what they call their uh, marching band. And it is uh, truly iconic is, uh, is one way to phrase it. But, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, man. Yeah, no, nah, my bad. I forgot that a lot of people don't know what SWAC is, so I'm glad you had to educate them. So. No doubt. Yeah, HBCUs, look it up. It's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. Games are always popping. <laughs> you always go have fun. But anyway. Well, not this year. They canceled the entire season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it be like that sometimes. It'd be like that. But, yeah, I actually t- took off three years uh, to help my family. And a lot of people don't know I was actually a veterinary technician. Oh, how was that, man? How'd you end up How'd you end up doing that? So, first job at PetSmart, you know, working, you know, late night stalker, which it sucks. I yes. hate, if you don't know, you know, I hate waking up in the morning, even for tournaments. I'm like, yo, I will, I will be there on brooms up. Just give me some time. Like, <laughs> I hate waking up. But uh, they saw my work ethic after six months. They're like, hey, you want to work in the back with the animals? I was like, you know, me, I'm like, yeah, man, what's up? I get a four dollar pay rate that's when minimum wage was 675 Ooh. and i was like oh yeah i get ten dollars yeah so i went back there and it was it was one of the experiences i'll never forget which i'd never use it unless like i get another dog but i did so much i was actually in surgery i'd done some cool stuff with veterinary medicine it was it was a blast no that's wild man especially considering all that happened because of PetSmart. Like, yeah definitely like they just saw me i was like hey you want to and i was like eh, whatever so you do three years of that, man, and uh, end up what, – what happens after the three years is up? So I was like, you know, I had this really good doctor. His name was Dr. Uriel. Like, he was like, man, you're too smart to be here. You know, you need to go back to college. And I was like, yeah, because I got caught up in the money being 19 years old, getting what, 
fifteen hundred a month because of you know, you know, extra revenue, and then we get commission on top of that. And I'm buying DJ Hero and Guitar Hero stuff, like stuff that don't even matter. He's like, and you were actually smart. having fun at your job, so it wasn't like a job you actually hated. Some days, yes. Some days, no. It's fun when you know everybody's like watching World Cup. That's when 2010 was happening, and you know all the puppies are cute and cutting their nails, and all the girls are like, oh. But it's not fun when you got the hundred hundred pound pit bull staring at you. You gotta jump on his back to restrain him from attacking everybody. That's not so fun. No, so, no, no. I, I'm not about that life, uh, especially. Yeah, no, pit bulls have like crazy <laughs> immense draw, jaw strength. Anyway, we can we don't need to talk about that. I used to want to be a zoologist when I was a kid, so I have like a bunch of random facts about animals stored in my brain somewhere. But um, so you get the you get the whole vet tech position. You move on to the next phase of your life. They say you're you're too smart. You end up going back to college. What was the process like? How did uh, what were your options? And then how did you end up picking uh, Sam? So I wanted to stay with my family, so I ended up going to Lone Star. Saved me hell of a lot of money, uh, you know, and then I did two years there. And I remember, it's funny, the reason why I picked Sam, I kid you not, I was talking to this girl and I was like, I know I want to go into psychology. I don't know what school I want to. And by that time I was doing social sports, playing in leagues and stuff. And then she was like, I'm going to Sam for psychology. They have a good department. I was like, yes, I want to go to Sam too. That's literally it. That's the reason why I picked Sam. Shout out to that lady. Shout out to whoever that was. Um, shout out to her. No, got Tiger into uh, Sam Houston State University, and uh, from that point on, things get a little weird. Right? Yeah, so I, I get. Ugh, uh, so playing league and stuff, I played flag football, kickball, dodgeball. You know, I was basically playing sports four times a week. You know, best shape of my life, six pack, nice chest. Okay, let me stop. You know, I don't want to keep going, but I was looking good, and I went to Sam Houston and standing in like the dorm. And I'm like, yo, interviewers only last six weeks. That's that's stupid. Like, I need something to do. So I'm like looking up sports and I see Quidditch. I was like, yo, what what is Quidditch? I kid you not, never read Harry Potter. I was going to ask, what was the books of the movies first? Not, nothing. I had a chance to read the books in fifth grade when the movie first came out for AR points. And I was like, nah, this book's too big. I'm going to read Animorphs. By the way, shout out to Animorphs, one of the uh, greatest book series I ever read as a kid. And a pretty terrifying Nickelodeon show, if you uh, got a chance to watch it. <laughs> that CG, man, back in the day, so good. Yo, man, straight up. And they used to do, like, the crazy, way too realistic, what if a human being became a mole rat? And that kind of thing like that. So, uh, it was rough. But anyway, strange strange turn of events. You don't read Animorphs, but somehow you, uh, you choose to read Animorphs instead of Harry Potter. And now, all these years later, you're on Sam Houston State University's campus in Huntsville, Texas and you see the name Quidditch, and you have no idea what it means, what draws you into going to find out what it means? So, to be honest, I had an ego. Like I said, I was already looking good, and I'm basically at the prime of my athletic career, little did I know. But I was like, you know, I need a sport to play. I want to improve myself. You know, I wasn't that egotistical. I was like, I want to improve myself. Oh, Quidditch, this sounds interesting. I looked online. I think I saw the World Cup. And I was like, you know, me being, you know, not really being humble. I was like, oh, man, Texas versus Texas State. Oh, man, these guys, that's weak. I can do this. I can go out there and just play with these guys and have a good time. And, you know, I don't have to try that hard. 
So I was like, yeah, I'm going to go out to the practice. It's something I can stay in shape. And it's, it looks like it's a whole semester. So let me go out there to stay in shape because I don't want to get, you know, lose my gut and lose my six pack, which I lost anyway. But I went out there and shout outs to one of the best hype men in Quidditch. If you don't know who Chris Perry is, this man here, you you look at him and you like, man, no, like he's, he's cool, but I, I don't feel like he'll hype me up. But it's something about his Ric Flair woo and his enthusiasm. That man can make anybody hype and excited. Like I don't know what it is. He has a superpower. It is amazing. Shout and that's the first Chris person Perry, I'm uh, What Where is he teaching at? Is it South Korea or is it South Korea, right? Yeah, I think South Korea. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a teacher abroad now. Shout out to Chris Perry. I, I see him on uh, I see him post on Instagram uh, like once a month. He seems like he's having a ton of fun. Uh, last time I saw him, he comes he comes back like every summer or like every other summer or something like that. And it's always nice talking to him. He's one of the he's a nice guy that I got a chance to meet because of all the Sam Houston people who continue to play in Quidditch. So. Uh, like you said, you meet Chris Perry, he hypes you up. You're coming in, you're thinking you're the best guy on the on the face of the planet. You're ready to go out here and win a national championship for Sam Houston State University. What was that first practice like? Uh, first practice, I died. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. I was like, oh Jesus, they for real. And like I'm seeing all these big guys like Jacob Freeman, Grant Bourne, uh, Rudy. I'm like, yo, they're actually pretty big. And then you know, seeing all these fast guys like TJ. Uh, oh man, I forgot his name. I know he's gonna kill me. What, I forgot. No, it's another guy. Uh, he's about the same size as TJ, just as fast. I forgot his name, but you know he was the starting fast chaser. Dude, I'm like, yo, these people are serious, and I'm like, I gotta run with this broom between my legs. Struggled, not easy, and yeah, I was humbled that first practice. I was like, you know what? I like this. It's hard, but I'm I'm gonna learn how to do this. There you go. So the interest is sparked. Uh, and, and Tiger, there's a, I, I, I gotta wonder, man, you've seen how many years of Quidditch have you gotten a chance to witness in your entire career? Well, what is this? What? Six now? Is it your sixth year? Yes. Okay, seven? There you go. I don't know. I lost track. I think six or seven. Six or seven, man. You've played uh, a lot of college ball and you played with Sam Houston when, they were on the rise to the point where really it should have culminated about two years ago. But um, that's a story for another day, a very sad story for another day. Uh, Definitely. B- biggest college memory playing at Sam Houston State University, man. Best? Okay, I have two memories. So out on the pitch, Jacob, Big Show Freeman. Oh, Jesus. He- the reason why I never got hurt from someone hitting me, this man, when I had to learn how to play keeper to help the B team, he so friendly, nice hair, gorgeous smile, the most charismatic guy. Like, what's up, Jake? He's like, what's up? <laughs> you know, he's like playing defense. He's not really trying. And then when he gets in position and he, yo, he hit me, my ribs were bruised. I was like, oh, my God, Jacob, Jesus. But because he used to hit me just without a care, I became so much more resilient. I've never got hurt from somebody hitting me because Jacob used to kill my ribs at practice. Jacob Freeman, one half of the uh, Bash brothers for the League City Legends. His brother, uh, some of you guys know him and very familiar with him tossing your friends around in the air, is Dylan Freeman, who went to (laughs) Texas Tech. 
Uh, Jake went to Sam Houston State University, and that's where he got his start and everything like that. So that's the guy he's talking about. If you see him playing for the Legends, it's the same guy that he just mentioned. Yeah, Jake's a Jake's a pretty nice guy, uh, especially when his team is up and he's winning, and you don't have to worry. When you're giving the right amount of effort, Jake is a very nice guy. When you're not giving the right amount of effort, uh, a different version of Coach Freeman, because he is a he's a football coach, uh, comes out, and you don't want that version. So uh, hustle hard, always hustle. Biggest, uh, biggest college memory. You just gave it up. You just gave it right there. Uh, your, le- your lesson learned from one Jacob Freeman, a shot to the ribs can really change your whole perspective on how Quidditch just played. I agree. Uh, other things, especially speaking about you playing, uh, you playing keeper. How, okay. What position did you start with initially like playing in live active games? Because you played all four positions and I want to hear how you got, how you wound up in all those different positions. Cause I feel like they're all a different story. Uh, and it also explains a lot about you as a player. Yes, sir. Uh, I don't know if we got enough time for that, but I started off as a chaser because believe it or not, you see me now, I was 150 when I started, I was small. Right, so right, right. I was like, so I was just a chaser cause they didn't have designated positions yet, especially after breakfast taco first tournament went to Texas state. Beth, before I knew Beth, hosting the hell out of a tournament. And it sucks because going to Texas State as your first tournament, the bar is set super high. So we went anywhere else. I was like, yo, where's all, like, the snacks and the hot dogs and the nachos and the music? Like, where's the bleachers and the feet? Like, what's what's going on? Right. So Beth really threw some great tournaments. We were spoiled with Beth. Um, but I remember the first team we played was Texas State, which I will forever love them because they're always in all my stories. But I remember playing Chaser. Uh, Sam Houston really wanted to win, so you know how teams get into that double male beater set. And you know you know all that jazz. So I haven't won any yet because I'm a rookie. So then when it's time for me to go in, like halfway through the game, they're like, all right, Tiger, you got to go play point. And I'm like, yo, what? And the first person I look over on Texas State to see if it's a good idea was Eric Reyes. And I'm like, yeah, no. I'm not go- I told them flat out, I'm not going in. I don't want to die from him. He looks scary, and he is scary. Dude is so strong, but the time Eric I played does, him... See, uh, a lot of people think that Eric is here to hurt people. Eric doesn't want you to touch him. That's the... Oh, no. No, he's he's amazingly nice, because the one time he actually hit me years later, the way he hit me, he tackled me, and then gently put me on the floor, where I was <laughs> on him, and I was like a turtle, like with the legs in there, and a beater came and beat me. I was like, yo, that was so nice, but that is so smart. This man here, and I was like, I got respect for Texas State. So ever since, since we're then. since we're talking about big guys, uh, Eric Ray is the king of the big guys who play Quidditch, right? Uh, Eric <laughs> Ray as Dylan Freeman. Dylan Freeman has long had this theory of if you're a big dude, you can run through people. The worst thing you can actually do is run through people because they just fall where you're going to run and they trip you up. So you don't actually win, and they they just get in your way and they slow you down. Which is a theory if you think about it. Is these little people trying to take you down? Just get in your way. And it's actually something that's helped me quite a bit as well. I've learned to direct uh, or learn to hit people and then go the opposite direction of which way I hit them. It helps out a ton. Anyway, shout out to Dylan Freeman. Shout out to Eric Reyes. Two of the best in the game. Uh, Dylan Freeman coming off an undefeated head coaching season for Major League Quidditch. He was a coach for the Legends this past summer. So <laughs> undefeated season. First undefeated coach in the history of the League City Legends, Dylan Freeman, ladies and gentlemen. So you mentioned that transition from Chaser, and then you played Keeper for another team uh, called Death Row, which a lot of people did not understand, including myself. 
uh, understand that is the B team for Sam Houston State University. How you end up playing keeper, man? So shout outs to Brian Stevens. He used to play for Rice when they had a team and he used to help the Cosmos with Brandy Cannon. And when I went out there, I am a firm believer that no matter whom you're talking to, someone always gives you at least one good piece of advice, no matter who they are, or what they're saying. Brian so he Stevens was like, gave me a lot. Cause he taught me how to play Quidditch. He was the first person to talk to me the first day I ever played Quidditch. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. He's, he's a great guy too. Like shout out to them big guys, man. They love you. They smile and they'll hit you and hurt you, which yeah, I'm, I got to represent for the, the small, fast chasers. Like, we don't do that. <laughs> we just want to play and score. We don't want to run nobody over. Uh, but, yeah, he, he actually convinced me. He's like, hey, you want to learn how to get your vision better? You know, you're a good chaser, but you need to learn your pass shops is when to cut. Play keeper. It'll really change your mind. And he was definitely right. That changed my whole outlook when I played keeper. No doubt, man. And, and like you said, you played keeper for a big team. By the way, I'll take this moment <clears throat> and give you – uh, big credit on this one. You talked about how every person you talk to in Quidditch will give you some sort of actual useful piece of advice. One of the greatest pieces of advice you have ever given me still resonates with me to this day. And it is so simple that it's stupid. But once you start to understand it, I think I told you this story before. Once you start to understand it, your what you understand about Quidditch raises to like a whole nother level. You told me one day in practice, in Cosmos practice, it's like, dude, beaters don't want to throw. And I was just like, what it took me, I would say like three months to figure out what you were meaning. And, and it was something that really stuck with me. And you were just like, yeah, beaters don't want to throw, dude. And, and I was just like, why would they not like they, they have the ultimate power in the game? Why would they want one? Why would they want to not throw it? And if you think about it, if they throw at you, they're literally throwing that power away. Anyway. Shout out to oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I, I talk a lot. I don't even listen to myself half the see, time. So, um, it was something you. so simple. You just don't. You know, it was something so simple that like stuck with me for a long time, and it made me. Re- it, it helped me calm down in a lot of those three on two drills when the beaters coming right at you, and you're just like, you got to sh-. like. I, I got to the point where I was like, you got to sell it to me a little bit better than that, man. Like the pump face, you got to put a little bit more effort into it. <laughs> like you got to, you got to sell, you got to show me that you want to throw it. If you beat me on the throw, I'm cool with that, but I know you don't want to throw it. So I'm just going to keep on running this way until you actually throw. You let me know when you want to play the game. And uh, exactly. we'll play. Exactly. Like, don't give them beaters more power. Like, I love y'all beaters, but I hate y'all, man. Y'all are giving on my nerves. Like, don't give them no more power than they need to. Mix slimy people. They don't 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 let them don't let them rent space in your head because uh, they will take it <laughs> and they will they will lease they will sublease it to their other beater friends as well. Anyway, um, so. We already talked about how you got into play. We talked about how you transitioned to keeper, uh, a move to understand the game at a higher level, man. And, and you, as far as I've known, you've always been a seeker. How did that happen? Seeker. So when I, during my first year in Houston, I had to, I wanted to be a seeker. So I'm like, it looked cool. So I, I was on side with Ryan Carr, AKA stretch, who was like six, seven and, yeah, that first year, dude caught everything. I caught one time with Tulane, and I don't even remember it because it was so long. And it didn't feel good because I was like, I want to be like Stretch. I want to win. I want to get the power, and people don't count on me. And it's funny enough, this leads into another story, the one time I wanted to earn it, and uh, I think it was like when Austin used to have tournaments before their fields got all jacked up and they prohibit people from using those fields, um, I seat against Simone. And, oh, Jesus Christ, when I first met him, dude was already, like, 
just second, muscular. Second time we've mentioned out. Simona Renz on this podcast, by the way. Uh, Yo, we talked about him I'm last not- year because he's the head coach at UT. Uh, one of the best athletes, I think, universally agreed upon by people. One of the best athletes to ever play Quidditch. Yup, yup, dude. Like, you see this man in person? Like, I see him now coaching, and I still get that the adrenaline rush. Like, oh my God, it's Simone. Like, I got to step it up. I'm like, yo, I'm on the sideline recording. He, he He's not even really talking to me. Like, he still has that effect to me because I never got to, like, settle the score in my head. Because when I was a seeker, he told me, up. contact fell out, nose was bleeding. I'm listening to Carlos on the side, like, go under his legs. I did it. My stupid self didn't realize Simone heard it, too. It was just like, poop, you get on the ground. Yeah. He told me up. Yeah, no, I get you. That was a horrible. I think I put that video out there before. I'm like, he he just demolished me. And then after that, I wanted to make a point that I wanted to be a seeker because I I don't want that to happen again. And it never did because once Sam Reagan actually took us out there one day, worked with me and Ryan, I actually learned how to develop my own style of seeking, which then I I got more comfortable with it. But definitely, if you want to be a seeker, you going to hurt. So be a good seeker, you got to hurt. You got to learn to fall. You got to hit that ground. But then you develop into your own style and you get your own custom moves. And it's it's worth it. But, yeah, it's like a running back. Your lifespan is horrible and quitters as a seeker. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of seekers are typically your most – typically your toughest and your players that can take – not even toughest, but, like, typically your players that are willing to literally ram their head into a wall – until the wall breaks. Uh, that was what made Autumn, uh, Autumn MacArthur, who, you know, uh, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the Houston Cosmos, we started Autumn as a, and, uh, Autumn as a female seeker, and it wasn't like some way to keep the game close or anything like that. It was Autumn was our best option seeking a lot of the time, not only because she was like long and lanky or whatever, but she was just, she never, there was no such thing as like, you can beat her up too much. Like she got tired. She had asthma. I've seen her have asthma attacks on the sideline with her inhaler and everything like that. And you know, she takes her all butyrol and she's like five minutes, like put me back out there kind of deal. She's just that much of a savage. And you see that in certain type. it's a certain style. Cause there's a lot of dudes who are athletic, right? Like there's certain dudes who can jump like eight feet forward uh, on a on a on a horizontal on a horizontal plane and it helps out a ton but the people who are willing to keep plowing forward will usually wear down a snitch that's really good and you know when it comes down to winning titles that that seeking period is is going to be a long one because there's a lot of beater games that are going on and there's a lot of seekers having to take beats and a lot of seekers having to take advantage of their small windows of opportunity but like you said tiger uh pretty much every time i've seen you take any of those hard thuds to the ground uh, the first thing I always see you do is just kind of get up, walk, uh, kind of get it up, get up, shake it off a little bit and keep walking towards the guy. Cause that's probably like a snitch's worst nightmare. Like you put all your effort into putting the dude into the ground. And the last thing you want to see is just him get up and, and keep running towards you. It's like, well, I guess you got to do it again, buddy. Uh, anyway, we move on, man. You talked about, uh, you talked about your transition to seeker. Uh, you talked about your transition to keeper, how you started off as a chaser, man. Last position. The, the mastermind of the whole operation, playing beater. Uh, what what made you take a little bit of a foray into that, man? Uh, beater. So I wanted just to learn the beater's point of view, just, you know, how they think, how they, you know, what decisions you're going to make. Because if, you, if you're if you a beater like Augie, like he plays everything, to have that kind of power to know, like I know how you feel and I know what situations you don't want to be in, you can really force those situations to take advantage. So that's really the reason why I wanted to train as beater. And shout-outs to my man, Cody LeBeau. I call him Hall of Fame. He actually trained me as a beater, 
and this is where I met Beth Clem Peebler, and oh man, I made a nasty remark, and she, I felt like she hated my guts for like a while because I didn't realize, like I've never really played beater, only see beaters, and really people that play beater. And that excel at it are usually forces to be reckoned with. And Beth was no exception. Like, I I think she took a bludgeon from me and I tried to get it back. And I was like, yo, I can't pry this from you. Like, what is going on? Like, oh, Beth is one of the strongest people I know, like, as a beater. Like, I am to this day still scared of Beth as a beater or as a keeper, too. So, you know, you got to ask her about the keeper days when she played, like, Beth is an athlete all the way around, and I am nervous. Shout out to Ryan Peebler to it. You know, Man Crush Monday. I love you too, Ryan. Oh, my God. Yeah, Ryan Peebler. I mean, the three hardest hits I've ever seen have all been administered by Ryan Peebler, and it's almost immediately after a penalty is assessed to somebody, and he uses that time uh, very, very graciously to size up and tee people up. And he usually, you know, it, it usually ends up with the whistle being blown immediately again. But it's totally worth it because it sets the tone. But like you said, uh, Beth and Ryan, who, if you don't know me, I hang out with them pretty much every single weekend. And uh, they are dope people like uh, like Snow. I'm sorry, not Snowman. Like Titan just said. <laughs> Snowman, another one of my friends. Anyway, you you give a regale us with the tales of all how you got to all four positions. Um, which one which one now that you've played them all at uh, at a decent level across the board, man, enough games across the board. Which one comes the easiest to you? So the easiest is Fast Chaser. I feel like Fast Chaser is a very pivotal position that doesn't really get a lot of notoriety. By People the way, only see the... Can you explain yeah, what ahead. Fast Chaser is? Because uh, uh, there's, a ge- there's a different generation of kids who listen to this, and Fast Chaser is not the term they use anymore. Oh, uh, that's right. Okay, so of course you got your keeper. You got your point chaser. So the way it was always told to me, if you're the point chaser, you're the enforcer. You know, I forgot what they call them in hockey. You know, you're... The you're, you're yeah, your job is to manhandle, you know, no, that's, a, you know, man, you know, go through people, you hit people, that is your job, no matter what, like, how you identify, if you feel that rose point chaser, you have a duty to hit, smash, and run through, like, that is your job, fast chaser was more elegant, it was more, okay, I'm gonna make cuts, I'm basically gonna be, you know, the help for the point chaser if something happens to him, but I'm the one running, I'm the one setting plays, you know, setting up the screens, the picks, etc., etc., so I love fast chaser just because I feel like you can do a lot with it. You know, a lot of people don't realize like the fast chaser are usually the one that double teams. I love that trap, which a lot of people still, I, I'm surprised not to hear it as much on defense and uh, a lot of analysts, but I love that trap. I know me and Adam Wolf from SFA used to run that beautifully. I love that, man. We played so well, but fast chaser also set your picks, set your screens. And also too, usually for some reason, the fast chaser, not saying it's, you know, how you identify, whatever, but it's usually just size-wise. For some reason, fast chasing, there's always a mismatch. I, I rarely see fast chasers size up equally. Either someone's faster, someone's more athletic, someone's taller. So, you know, it's always something, which they're usually the ones that not always makes the play. But the keeper has to watch them because, like, okay, they're a threat. You know, not to say this other chaser who's by themselves here, but this other chaser, there's a mismatch. And I'm expecting this person to hold them, but I know that they're probably going to outdo them, so I need to help. So it creates this kind of mind game, which I love fast chase. I love being sneaky. I just like doing stuff just to make people mad. I love it. It's funny. It's hilarious. (laughs) 
Tiger just love to troll people, man. It's just it's oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've done so many things. Like shout outs to uh oh man, what's that guy's name that played for Leaksy Legend beater Josh Carroll. So I remember there's many times where I used to have the ball and he was the ref. I used to run at him and the beater couldn't throw and I used to use him as a shield. You know, there's so many things that just people don't do anymore. Or there's a lot of like Seeker. I feel like Seeker is the meta is very not like untapped. Like there's so many things you can get away with Seeker that's not in the rule book yet because we know they're very reactive once like they figure that stuff. Beaters? Picking out beaters, like getting like setting an accidental screens. Like there are so many things as a Seeker that you can do that I've done and just never got caught and no one said anything. You just people make a face like what the heck? Oh man, the Seeker game, the my, the meta is still untapped and I feel like someone's gonna break it. Someone's just gonna go ham on it. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of, snitch on pitch has become like snitch on pitch is a different game in and all of it, uh, all in and all of itself, almost uh, especially with the right teams. It looks like it's a totally. It looks like you're playing two different games when it comes to uh, snitch on pitch and before uh, everything goes down. But Tiger, gotta ask you, man. Um, you've seen a lot of Quidditch. You've seen a lot of rule changes, man. What's the biggest change? Or, like, biggest change that you've seen that you did and did not like in the game? <laughs> uh, what I, well, what I did like. What I don't like, let me start with that. The Trey Riles, Trey, Trey the Snitch rule about brooms. That was hilarious. <laughs> I didn't really like that. I feel like that was only a job at Trey. He broke enough brooms to the point where they had to go get the backup brooms at regional. So, like, you know. <laughs> I was like, eh, I don't know why. I mean. People loved it. People, like the crowd got crazy. I know that's financially like not smart to keep buying brooms that he's breaking, but it was entertaining. It's never been seen. I enjoyed it. Everybody enjoyed it. But I guess USQ didn't enjoy replenishing the brooms. Not but at all. What I did like, um, I felt like helpless receiver was a good way to do more and like enforce it more because yeah, Quidditch is super dangerous. It's still dangerous, but I think. Uh, deterring people from hitting helpless receivers and not making it so subjective more objective was very necessary because i've seen so many people get like just in their season or in their quidditch career because just you know somebody wasn't paying attention you know somebody didn't kind of like they were they were too passionate about the game at that moment and didn't realize what they were doing so yeah no doubt and uh defenseless receiver of course in reference to uh, receiver in the air attempting to score a goal or attempting to catch the ball. It, it prevents people from being undercut because uh, undercut naturally flips your legs into the air and your head straight towards the ground. So it significantly reduces head injuries and neck injuries and everything else that comes with that. Uh, and it's something that, especially in a sport that's not padded, uh, should not be encouraged by any stretch of the imagination. So, yeah. Um, Tiger, was there ever a time you weren't having fun? In Quidditch? Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I wasn't having fun when you, you lose. No one likes losing. I think the most time that my high and low of Quidditch where I was, you know, super happy but just did not have fun is when I played Seeker for Sharknados. That season, I mean, I talk about it, so I'm pretty sure Beth, Ryan, Ryan, Richie, you know, all the Texas State, Clayton, Hector, Amber. I'm pretty sure they're tired of hearing. But that was the moment I decided to retire from being a Seeker because it hurt so much. And it wasn't fun to let people down because little did people know it didn't get talked about. But Sharknados came in the regionals, of course, B team. That's when, you know, the split didn't happen. So everybody's playing everybody. 
Uh, we finished, I think, pool play in the middle somewhere. It's been a while. I don't remember. But I remember we played UTSA the first game. I think they were ranked top three or four. And we were playing them. And I end up, it was funny, it was David Kime, which is funny. I remember when I seen him on college. I was like, yo, I remember you. Because we were going at it. And Casey New was USQ the USQ co-chair coordinator. Oh, yeah, him and TJ. Yeah. Did it. But uh, the crowd's going. Everybody, it's a close game. You know, we're down by three or four. Richie's making plays. Everybody's doing their part on Sharknados. You know, Shelby's doing her. Like, everybody's doing the thing. So I remember um, Casey was defending time, and I saw him. I'm like, oh, no, he's going to catch. You know, I can tell Casey's going to win. So I'm running over there. I'm behind him. I see the moment. Somehow Casey steps to his right for it. And I'm like, perfect. I jumped on the side of Kime over the Casey. I grab it with my left hand. And for all the seekers, you know, when you're like, I'm just going to do this so the team doesn't yell at me for not trying. I'm just going to stick my hand out and hope, to, you know, I get it. I caught it. And <laughs> my my patented sneak uh, seeker celebration is just laying on the floor dead. Like, oh, I'm dead. Right, <laughs> so right, right, right. I had it in my hand. Kime was angry. He's like, yo, what you can't? I don't know what he was arguing. I was just like, I can't believe I caught it. But the only Texas State has this film. This film is nowhere. So Texas State has it. But uh, other than the security breach of 2018, <laughs> nobody will ever see that footage again. No. And what's funny, I remember watching it. I didn't realize Richie was half pitch. He had a fast break. Had I waited two more seconds, we would have won the game and had a bid to regionals. Yeah, that's uh that's a brutal one, man. Nah, it's uh it, hey, sometimes you got to do what you got to do and sometimes that's how the that's how the game breaks, you know what I mean? So, uh Oh, it's it, not over either. It gets worse. Like <laughs> I lost like to keep it short cuz I know we're on a time. I lost an overtime by time. And I remember all the parents cheering me on for Texas State, and I remember I sat there and put my hands and my, you know, my my head in my lap and I cried because I was like I've never disappointed somebody like I looked up to Ryan the most. Ryan is such a smart person. Like, I was like, yo, this guy is smart. He's fast. He's not that tall, but he got hops. You know, I was like, yo, I disappointed everybody. So we played Baylor the next game. I was so angry. Brooms up. I went to go tackle somebody. That's how I got my stitches because I tackled somebody. Blood dripping. I'm on top of him. Blood dripping from my head. I had to go to the hospital. Got my stitches. Came back to the tournament. Played SFA. Caught the snitch. And then we played none other than my old team, Sam Houston State University, for the last bid and the last game of the night. And we lost by snitch catch. And I lost against TJ. And I had the snitch in my head at one point, and the snitch ruled it, called it no good because I got beat before. And to hear everybody scream and then to lose, it, it's the worst loss of my career. I never forgave myself because I was like, I let everybody down. And I'm happy for Sam Houston. They got to go. But so just – I just I I never wanted to play Seeker again. I was like it's, it hurts too much. On many different levels, hurts way too much. I agree. <laughs> physically, ugh. So man, you you make this transition. You play for the Cosmos a couple of years, man. I'm sure that was a ton of fun. I uh, got to hang out with your friends and stuff like that. But this uh, this thing that you recently started that took all uh, the entire Quidditch community by storm. And then you stopped suddenly, very much like the Avatar who vanished. Um, you start Tiger TV, man. There's a whole new gener- There's like a whole generation of kids who don't know anything about your playing career, but they know exactly where to find your YouTube footage. On uh, they know exactly where to find your footage of their highlights on YouTube and 
you want to talk about doing a killer job, man. You took it to the level that, you know, you, you always had this idea and you kept talking about it when we'd be at practice. It's like, yeah, man, you know, I want to get footage and, and make highlight reels like Sports Center's top 10 and stuff like that because it'll, you know, it'll bring people closer together. It'll bring the community together. It'll get it'll get highlights for kids who don't get talked about all that much and it'll get footage out there for the entire community and nobody will have any excuse about like oh we didn't know what they were going to look like when they came out here we didn't know who these guys were we don't know who the good players were you get that and you establish it man and then all of a sudden you know you have to stop it because you get a big boy job and everything but um what was the what was the adventure of creating tiger tv like and and the hours that you put into editing after a tournament. Whoa, what a question. Uh, yeah, so it's funny enough, Beth Peebler is in this story again because I recorded off my phone. I forgot what it was. It was like a Samsung. Oh, whatever. Uh, I recorded off my phone at the first Femme Fatale tournament that Beth threw, and I recorded. And I didn't know the rabbit hole I was going to go to. I'm like, ah, oh, this is easy. I use Windows Movie Maker. This will be fun. Oh, Lord. It is brutal i mean yeah the you know upgrading the quality i mean thanks to everybody supporting me southwest i love you everybody outside like christian Norris, like uh garrett that's in japan you know i know steve-o that moved to california i know a lot of people love it and you know the time i put because when i first did it on my phone i was really for fun i was like hey i want to do this thing i want to make you know highlights of people like you said you know get the name out there and then you know i noticed that i was like oh i want people to use this because you know people are you know sharing the footage i somehow felt bad because i'm like okay i'm showing like amber you know doing her fast break or olive you know james harden that <laughs> she got dubbed during that tournament by jay ross that you know the quality sucks <laughs> so i i don't want i want them to show you in the best light so i started you know diving more i got another program you know invested in a dslo like crappy canon you know was gonna record and yeah, it went from working on videos for like three, four hours to working on videos for like a week because the quality, the pictures, learning how to, you know, Photoshop, going to Premiere Pro, After Effects, doing all these cool transitions, trying to, you know, learning that the parents love it. So watching my commentary, you know, I looked at you and like how you commentate. I was like, okay, that's the bar. That's how I got to be. I got to stop playing around so much and stop saying certain things. I got to be somewhat professional, but I was like, I want to put my own spin and have fun with it still. So, I mean, I had Augie behind me, so many people behind me, but it, as I got into it, it got way too much. Like, no, when no. I was ugh, going to Corpus Christi with my desktop, you know, for work and having in my hotel room, sitting there for a week working on these videos, I was like, yeah, I, I can't keep this up by myself, so. No doubt, man, and I, I know it's exhausting. Any chance you make a comeback? Oh, yeah. So, okay. Between me and you, I know yeah, everybody's, nobody's, nobody's ever going to listen to this. You're right. Yeah. What, yeah. Yeah. They're going to fast forward this part. But between me and you, I'm still doing things on the side. The The reason why I decided to step away from it officially was that people don't expect me. So if I don't, I felt obligated right, to right, go right. to the tournaments. So now if like I don't go, it's like people don't expect it. So I could just show up randomly at a tournament and, you know, film and just put it out. And, you know, I still want to do it, but I maybe, maybe not. But I still want to, sh- you know, I once still have a like, soft spot. I mean, once it. we get you some still cams, man, and we can just set them up at like each pitch, and it'll be at like half pitch or like one can face one set of hoops, and you'll get highlights from both sides instead of having to move the camera around, and then you can be somewhere else while the game's recording and all that kind of jazz like that. But 
that's that's difficult to pull off. That takes a lot of money, which of course you know the thing that oh. stops everything, right? So <laughs> yes, sir. That greed, man. We don't get paid enough in Quidditch. So no, yeah, no doubt, man. You're telling me, man. Uh, all this entertainment we put out here for the people, they don't want to give us no. I'm just kidding. But uh, give uh, us some views, man. Y'all need to like and subscribe to this, man. Like, come on, y'all. Support. Oh, not me. No, no, not me. Don't don't pay attention to me, because then, like you said, Tiger, I have to do work, and like I mentioned before, I'm not interested in that. So. Um, no lie, man. No, it'd be dope to uh, get Tiger TV doing stuff that they that they were doing before, and uh, and like you said, you had that you did uh, a highlight tape for Maya, right? And then you did one for Tra- uh, you did one for Trey, right? For his, yep, uh, Trey Michael from Texas, and I think Sam Houston was the last one I just did. Sam Houston, uh, 2018 or 19. So yeah, man. Uh, if you if you uh, Maybe maybe you're out there. And you're in the Southwest. You want a little highlight tape made by uh, made by one of the best in the game. You hit him up. You give him the right price, and uh, anything can happen. Magic happens. You see that? <laughs> um, ask him real nice. Ask him real nice. So, I say, just feed me. Just feed me. I'll, I'll like that. Boom. Texas State. There you go. Texas State. Hit him <laughs> up. He just said he wants food. Um, Tiger. Three questions. They're all, all these are questions about tips for other players, not for you, but based off all your experience and based off the experiences you've been able to absorb from other players, right? Um yep. tips for being a better teammate. Oh man, that's something I learned too. Like being a better teammate. So with Quidditch, you know, everybody, you know, thinks it's more physical. It's definitely a lot of mental. You gotta have your head on right because you know, just like stress, how it puts us back into like a childlike state or a state that we don't like to be in, you know, during a game, during these high pressure situations, doing practice, you know, you basically got to work on your mental fortitude because like I, it happened to me, like I was not always the prettiest person. And I know a lot of people, you know, kind of misconstrued that the wrong way. And, you know, I agree. I did some things wrong, but definitely physically, mentally, you got to work. And then too, when you're in the game, try to be composed and, you know, just, you know, keep logic. Don't get too, you know, caught up in the moment and, you know, the atmosphere. Like, that's that's a lot of work. And I know a lot of teams do a lot better than other teams. But I think that's something that just kind of gets slept on. Like, you really got to prepare yourself to not let your anger, sadness, or anything come between y'all. Like, you're a unit. You're part of that team. And that's how you should play. You're basically a family. So you always got to treat each other with the utmost respect and always uplift them which is something that I think everybody can work on, honestly, especially as a community. We got to get better at uplifting one another. Guys, uh, here's a free one. It's not happening as fast as you think it is. Oh, no, it's it's hard. It's it's, it's not, easy yeah. to pretend, but it's really hard to make that a part of your life and basically get it to where it's just automatic. So Right. Type uh, tapping into that focus, that elite-level focus. Uh, tips for uh, training or working out, man. What, what – uh... What exercises have helped your game the most, especially considering you play all four positions? So if you got one in particular for each position, give me that one. Or if you got one thing that helps universally throughout all four of those, to uh, especially with the physical aspect of it, because I know there's a lot of guys and gals and, and uh, non, uh, non-gender, uh, non-binary folks out there who are looking to try and get better. And I think that's a part of... I think that's just going to be a regular part of this podcast. To be honest with you, uh, Tiger. I don't. I, I'm going to just start asking people for workout tips. See what happens. Yeah. So me, like I know everybody's. You know, I'm terrible at working out. You know, uh, I know like all of gave great tips, and I know a lot of people on different podcasts giving great tips. The one thing I can say that I haven't heard is practice your situations at practice. 
like I think that to me made me better because I would always put myself like people always make Tiger. How come you always playing for these certain teams? It's like because I want the situation because I know the situation isn't always going to be in my favor. So I have to learn what to do because I don't know how to what to work on, what to work out if I'm never put in that situation. So like at practice, I'll be like, all right, you know, two one one beater pair. Like all right, let's do it. So I'm like, okay. You know, I don't know what it's going to teach you, but at the moment, I was like, okay, you learn how to block, you learn how to read the beaters. I love situational drills. That is the love of me. So, if anything, I would say practice that. If you're a shooter, go out and just shoot on the hoops from Shooters different ranges. Shoot, man. Yeah, if you're a beater, like, try to always play one beater and go against everybody and try to get, you know, put yourself in these situations because I know a lot of people just scrimmage as their situation, and that doesn't help you because there's so many situations that arise. You got to know what to do at any moment. And it's a lot in Quidditch, and it's always evolving, so it's not easy. So definitely practice the situations. Like, that would be my thing. Yeah, and and to Tiger's point, one of the things that helped me with my shot a lot, uh, especially when you're a bigger dude and you're slower than everybody else that's on the field, you got to work on getting your shot off while you're either getting hit or being taken down. And one of the things that helped me a ton is – when people were doing water, when there's water breaks at practice, you can take your water onto the field and just hold the ball in your hand. So that your brain, because pro perception is important, right? Pro perception is the more times you touch something, the more your brain understands where it is. And if it's in the air, where it's going to fall and it helps you predict more and more like where the ball is going to go. And you just got to keep doing that. And even, even if there's no defenders in front of you, seeing the ball go through the hoops, learning the angles, learning how to get that arc, right. um, Goes a long, long way. There's a reason that NBA players are constantly getting up shots. Even if there's no defense in their face, it's because your brain needs to figure out what the pathway is supposed to look like. And then you add all the distractions like beaters and chasers in and people tackling and you, tackling you and stuff like that if you don't have bad fundamentals or a bad base for your shot you're never going to be able to succeed uh when when it comes time to change it up a little bit or you got to move around based on what's happening tips for recruiting tiger how do you how do you trick more people into playing quidditch so i know this is not going to be a popular opinion i used to hate when people go out there and, and i know harry potter is part of our sport but you know, you when we used to table and he'd be like, hey, guys, Harry Potter, yeah, read the – I'm like, no. So me and my good friend Reggie, you know, we call him the blanket because that's a whole nother story. You know, if you want to hear about it, hit me up. But um, we used to just we used to just play around and have fun. We used to tell people, like, hey, bro, I know you hear me with those AirPods on. Like, I know you're not playing music. Like, come here. Like, what time is it? Like, oh, I got this. I was like, okay, I just wanted you to come over so I could talk to you. Like, all right, you got, you know, a couple of seconds. So I used to sell whatever I could about the sport that was advantageous to our demographic, which was being 18 to 22 year old, you know, family, fun, parties. Let's go. You get the travel. You get to meet so many people from other cities. So even after Quidditch, you know, you can be like, oh, yo, I'm in Chicago. I know people up there. Let me hit them up for a free place to stay, like lay my head. Like, and also too, like, you know, for like <laughs> my my uh anybody who loves you know the female that you know hey man we got plenty of single people in quidditch you know male female non-binary we got plenty of walks of life a lot of there's somebody for somebody future future husband or wife or spouse or something like that that happens a lot quid love is Definitely. real love that's how i got drew fairchild tell him like yo it's crazy these parties and man some of these people yo that's why he joined quidditch not for the sport but i basically told him it was wild <laughs> yeah so, no, it's uh it's at the at the heart of it all man it's about having fun and if you're not having fun you know we're not getting paid out here to go out here and not have a good time you know what i mean so um 
hopefully hopefully somebody can take something from that it's about the environment around the sport a little bit too culture around the team and everything like that hopefully you can mold your team if you're a fledgling team or established team or in a lot of the cases that's about to come up here tiger a team that had a bunch of seniors graduate and you're not going to get your recruitment period so you got to figure out how to get things to go when you're not on campus keeping in contact with your teammates and making sure you keep those uh make that make those family connections because the chemistry is going to be massively important when you get out on the field cuz you're probably not going to get a ton of a ton of time to practice and uh maybe not even play. So, who knows? Definitely. Definitely. Well said. I got one last question here, Tiger. What changes do you want to see in the game, man? Changes in the game. Mm, man, that's so good cuz there's always people saying different things like, you know, MLQ and USQ, they're kind of front running like the different changes and stuff. The thing I want to see the most, uh, I don't even know because I just got so content with the game. But I think if I had to choose, I would, I would want to see, uh, man, that's not really part of the game because I know we're trying to make this real sport like me. I want always to see a subtle change. Like I want to throw like fun tournaments, like with special rules. Like okay, this tournament the restrictions are flipped, so you gotta have no more than two male players on the pitch at all times. Like or hey, we're gonna play knockout star. We're gonna have a skills thing. Like I want to see more diversity in Quidditch at like a higher level, you know, than just playing the game. And then MQ, like I want to, we we gotta. It's hard to say, but we gotta have something more for everybody. Because right now we're kind of stagnant because it's like, okay, if you don't play Quidditch at this level, this certain way, yeah, that's it. Like, there's no for you, you know, there's there's no way for you to fit in. And I think that's why our numbers haven't really been skyrocketing like they were a couple years ago. But I think we add more diversity to, like, the, the tournaments or, like, different ways of playing Quidditch in a, you know, more professional way. I think that would be good. But just saying just about the sport we have right now, honestly, two I'm tackling. Like, I feel like that just got to happen all the way around. Two-arm tackling is awesome. It's safer. Let's Tiger, just do it. What, uh, what rule is it going to take for you to believe that contact below the knee is going to be okay? Oh, no, man. It's, Never? it's not. Never? So, what someone told me before they used to play for Cosmos, and I cannot forget his name, Blake. He told me, in which I, when he told me that, I started looking at a different perspective. It's not the rules that make Quidditch bad. It's the people that play yeah. because they play reckless. Right. And There's that's why it's unsafe. Me and Sam Reagan have this conversation all the time. There's people on the field who don't know what they're doing sometimes, and those are the most dangerous people because they're a danger to themselves and to other people. And it's hard because – there's a lot of athletes coming from different places, right? Like there's guys, there's guys and people. Uh, Sybil Hammonds has told me a, a billion and one stories about how she's had to talk to kids about what muscle soreness was because they've never worked out hard enough to have muscle soreness the next day or something like that. Or talked about people who've never thrown a ball before or really struggled to throw a ball or they were told uh, to throw a certain way and it's like bad fundamentals, right? And, and mm-hmm. I can't blame I can't blame anybody from what they've done in their past or anything like that, um, but. I don't know. People are getting different information from team to team on basic fundamentals in Quidditch. And I think fundamentals are established as the sport gets older. And I'd like to think we're getting, because we're all so interconnected, because we're living in a world where we have access to players who are on the other side of the country almost instantaneously. I'd like to imagine that fundamentals could be hammered down a little bit more. Uh, But what do I know? Right. 
Nah, man. Well said. Yeah, fun. Like I've I've heard of clinics happening way more often beforehand, especially like snitch and seeker clinics. Right. I would love to see more of those. Like where it just becomes basically like, oh, I expect there to be a clinic soon. Okay, let me go there. Let me work on some stuff. Because I know they have it for like Team USA when they have tryouts. I know that's one place they have it, but definitely see more clinics where people can actually learn and we can have basic consistency about how we all tackle, how we all do this. That way we can establish it as the norm instead of just saying, hey, if it works, it works. And like you said before, it doesn't help that there's a collection of players. There's a percentage of players that are playing under two separate rule books in the same <laughs> yeah. in the same year, right? Right? Like USQ and MLQ players are playing under totally separate rules uh, as the season progresses on, and who who knows who needs to come to who, right? Like they're on they're not on opposite sides of the spectrum, but if they're on two ends of the spectrum, who needs to come closer to who for the sport to improve can be up for debate. Um, other stuff, Tiger. You ever felt like okay, this is the part. This is the part where I just get brutally honest, right? Let's go. Let's just, let's have fun, bro. Let's do it. We're almost done here. I promise you on this one. This is the part where we talk about um, racism and prejudice in Quidditch. You ever feel like there was racism or prejudice in Quidditch, man? Oh yeah, I think everybody, a person of color, that knows like there's always that feeling like man, something ain't right here. But because you don't have quote unquote proof, right? It's hard to you know tell somebody because what we're used to hearing, which I know a lot of people don't want to kind of go back here, was like, "No, nah, man, you tripping? Like, I don't see nothing like that." Or I know so and so that won't be like that. It's like, uh, okay, so it's like always that feeling. But then when you talk to somebody else, like my friend, I'm like, "Yo, did you notice? Like, yo, I noticed that." And it's like, okay, I'm not crazy, and that's sad. Where I gotta feel like I'm not crazy for certain things, and I'm like, right. I know that's when it's bad, and. Yeah, so I, I felt it a lot. And I used to be one of the people that I made, hey, you know, not on the forums on Facebook, but just in person, like, hey, I don't like this. I think this is so-and-so. And I got dismissed almost every time. No doubt, man. And uh, have your have your friends stopped texting you about how you're doing is my question. Uh, I should ask oh, every no. person of color that comes on the show. Like, have your white friends stopped asking you how you're doing? So my Just, thing was yeah. like I know like I you know I don't want to offend anybody but here it is like I know everybody was posting things you know saying you know that's cool I'm glad you for the movement and I'm glad you're trying to make things different but where were you before that because I know some people that didn't have to post all that stuff that was already doing that or already right. talking to me or already supporting me when I say I felt somewhere it's like yo I don't see it but I believe you and I'm you know I got your back. So, and I was like, you know, as you see now, it died down a lot. There's still some people posting things, which is cool. But my thing is, like, are you going to be an advocate for the rest of your life? Because it's hard for me to accept people that, you know, just two a week before, you didn't hear anything. These same people call you crazy. Then all of a sudden, they're up in arms like, yeah, this isn't right. I feel your pain. I'm with you. But it's like, but are you really with me when I need you? If I am about to die do I trust you to save my life? And that's one thing I talked to my best friend, Trey, the snitch It's like, yo, I can't say that I would jump in to save your life. I'm going to be scared, but you know, I don't know that situation. Maybe I would you know, risk me getting a felony to save your life. Right. You know? And it's like, that's a real conversation. Like Drew Fairchild, he is one that he's, we had those like, yo, I don't get it, but I'm understanding. I don't try to act like you get it. I don't try to act like something's, you know, I'm changing my ways, but I really do know how you feel. And I do have your back. If something happens, you know I got you. And that's what matters most to me. Not just because you're a social warrior on Facebook. It's like, okay, when it really matters, do you have my back? And actually a lot of Quidditch people, like 
we're associates, but most not even doing with race, we're not even that cool. So how can right. I kind of trust you with race if something's happened to jump in and save me? Like it's it's a very delicate conversation that a lot of people just it's just like, dude, you either real or you're not. Like you can spout about how much you're for stuff, but we're gonna see when it really comes down to it, like when somebody's in trouble or somebody that asks for your help that, you know, it's nowhere to be found, what you're gonna do. And that's how I kinda look at integrity of what you're saying is to be true. And it and it comes down to there's so many, and we can talk about this too. That's similar. You talked about how some people just flat out don't believe you when they say certain certain things can be taken a certain way, a small way, and it can be something that's massive because it's dismissive of your existence as a person. I feel like uh, you, you know you talk about the ladies and the women and the non-binary folks that play sports that are uh, feminine presenting or or women presenting, right? That um that's a legit problem like that's a legit problem when like that person stands up they try and say something and it is not believed and it sounds like we may have lost tiger right here at the end we were having such a good talk but um i will say this we were talking about it before mentioned it and he's reconnecting right now we're mentioning um just the it's one thing to be an advocate on social media it's a totally different thing to be an advocate in real life and a lot of stuff in a lot of stuff in Quidditch is becoming um, a lot of stuff in Quidditch. You're seeing a lot. You're seeing a lot of action being taken. But is it going to be something that's long lasting and, and, and spreads out across the board? Is it going to be something that has a lasting change? Is it going to be something that allows for the next generation of black and brown and Hispanic people and, and Latinx people and Asian players who come into the game to feel comfortable not only for them to play, but for them to tell other people to come play as we try and reconnect with Tiger here real quick. I'm sure he's about to text me about, you know, his power going out in his house. Yeah, his computer just randomly shut down for funsies. But yeah, he's getting back on here and we'll continue this conversation here in a second. Shout out to everybody who listened to last week's episode with, well, last month's episode with all of Jim Daniels. Uh, We are talking right now with Tiger, a.k.a. Dirty Pants, a.k.a. Uh, Gary Taylor, well, it's not really the AKA. Gary Taylor's his real name. His nickname is Tiger and Dirty Pants, dubbed to him by some friends from Texas State. He's mentioned them a couple of times on the show. But uh, we're coming towards the end of this conversation here. I wanted to finish strong and get Tiger's real perspective on it. Here we go. He's back. He has returned. Yeah. He my bad. Returned. My computer did did not want to have this conversation. It I just guess so, talk. man. Yeah, no, your computer's a little, maybe your computer's not an ally type. Um, computers out here computers out here hating anyway we were talking about we were talking about how um you meant you mentioned earlier when you would have conversations with other people of color in the sport right Mm -hmm. and they would feel like they were not being believed about incidences that would be defined as like microaggressions or aggressions in general right and they just felt like they weren't being Mm -hmm. like nobody was believing that they were happening and then of course amongst other people of color they can understand how that is they they understood how that is exactly what it is, right? It's a sign of racism or some form of prejudice in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and it's one thing to be an advocate and an ally on social media and, and be loud and proud. I know it's a lot of people that have been speaking up and they have lost some family members that they they got a whole new brand of family members. They don't they're not talking to at the reunion. They're not talking to for this upcoming holiday and all kinds of stuff like that. And there's gonna be some awkward conversations happening at Thanksgiving for a lot of people's moms and dads. So. That uh, that being said, man, and you said you felt it in Quidditch before. 
any idea on how to change it, man, because I, you know, people ask that question all the time and it's like, how do you change somebody's heart? You know what I mean? Like, how do you change somebody's existence and how they've been raised? Right. Definitely. So that's something I've been dealing with. Like, you know, been during the quarantine, you know, I sit down and do some self-reflection. I, I've learned how to love myself, trust myself, value myself. Like I had to actually sit down and do that. And, you know, I'm not prejudiced or anything, but I've learned that, you know, unless somebody actually gets put in a situation so dire that it changes their perception or their paradigm, you really can't do much. That person has to want to change on their own. So, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to seem like I'm being helpless or talking in some learned helplessness, like, Oh, nothing's ever going to change. But it's like to, to change everyone is an understatement. And what happens is you learn just not to get caught or you learn you know, how not to seem this way. So like the word racist, nobody likes being called a racist, but that doesn't mean you're not prejudiced. Exactly. But as soon as you say racist, they're like, oh, whoa, whoa. I, you know? Dude, I'm not wearing a Klansman hood. What are you talking about? Right? Like they only think when you think of racism, you think about the most extreme examples. You don't think about the little things that allow for the extreme examples to exist. So. Uh, and then definitely me, how can I judge you when, like I said, I still struggle, you know, saying non-binary. I'm still working on pronouns. I'm still... Right. You know, working on my own biases, you know, and alleviate them. So I'm not sitting here and judge anybody else, but I understand how much work it takes. Like it, it is hard to break a habit of mental thinking. It is not easy, and you gotta want the change. And a lot of people, that's just not the case. So, yeah, and you know, not to get dark or anything, I, I, I have a prevailing theory that we're, I'm waiting on a whole generation of hateful people to die and the world is a better place and not not wishing them an early death or anything like that i mean just literally waiting for a group of human beings that will never change that are from a a time that really isn't all that far ago Um, no 40 years that isn't from that far ago uh to to pass away because the world without that like that's the only way to remove that hate and i'm not like i said before not trying to kill anybody not wishing anybody an early death I just recognize that there's some people who cannot be changed. And maybe I, maybe that sounds defeatist of me to believe that there's people whose hearts can't be changed. But uh, as a kid who was raised on Disney movies, I feel safe enough to say that there are some people whose hate goes far beyond. And it is a defining factor of them as a human being to a certain degree. Um, mm-hmm. Thankful to say, don't see many of those, don't see many of those in Quidditch, at least openly. And and I think that's a, a big a big step forward, making sure that the making sure that the haters or hateful people have to hide in the shadows to exist, not be able to walk loud and proud out in the streets. But uh, Tiger, we move on to the, the the next phase of this game, man. This upcoming season is going to be one like we've never seen before. Everybody's already qualified for nationals. What? So it, everybody's already qualified for nationals technically by just signing up. Woo. What do you, what do you do like as a team, especially with the college? The college is in a terrible situation, right? Like they can't be on campus, they can't practice, and even if they could be on campus, do you want to be on campus as a player, knowing what's mm-hmm. going on in the world around you, knowing what's going on in particular in Texas because we are because we live in the Southwest. We both live in Houston. Um, what like what what's the move? in terms of how this season is going to go, or is this just going to, we're going to have to chalk this season up to a loss for Quidditch as a whole by not being able to get new people into the sport because of not being able to practice as frequently or in, in the most ideal situations. I actually think 
it's actually going to be an explosion. And hear me out. So I think it's going to probably be a half season, just like basketball did, short season. And I think it's going to be more college collegiate where it's not like, okay, I know this team has been winning this whole time where they've been doing good. They're, they're elite eight material, you know, uh, it's going to be very dynamic. It's going to be just things coming out of nowhere and wins and loss. It's going to be great when we actually are safe to go back. And I think a lot of people are so bored in their house. They're like, I just need to do something. Quidditch? What is that? I don't care. I just want to be active. So I think even though recruiting seems kind of sketch right now, I think you're actually going to get a lot of people eager just to be out where the thing they took for granted was, oh, I see that sport. I don't want to play it because I'm going to run laps. Now they're like, yo. I just want to talk to people. I need human interaction. I want hugs. Come on, somebody talk to me. I want to do something different. So I think it's gonna be it's gonna work out in the end if we do have a half season. But I'm actually excited. I think it's a little bit of mystery, which that's kind of what we need because our sport was kind of getting professional and stagnant where we kind of knew the results and it wasn't like those, you know, March Madness, you know, upsets and wins a lot. Like I just want that excitement again, and I think we're gonna get it this season, honestly. There you go, a hot take from Tiger. The season is not dead. As a matter of fact, Quidditch about to pop off like you've never seen before. And uh, on that note, Gary Taylor, thank you very much for joining the show, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. I had fun. Like, you know, if you want to keep going another three hours, I'm ready to do so. Let's do it. I try and keep it I try and keep it short for the people because I know, you know, people are busy and they don't have time to sit there and listen on YouTube and all that kind of stuff like that. By the way, uh, you can look up, you can type in Big Man Bias and Spreaker, which is spelled like speaker, but it's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Look that up and you can just listen to the audio file because I've been putting it there. Uh, I'm recording it on this right now and then I send the audio file to um, Nick Jablonski and the crew at, at the 8th Man and they uh, upload it on YouTube. But if you just want to listen to the audio file only, you can listen at Spreaker.com. So, Check that out and uh, appreciate our guests, Dirty Pants, Tiger, <laughs> a.k.a. Gary Taylor, for joining us, man. And it's uh, it's been a ride, man. Good luck with free agency. Have a ton of fun while you still can because I have a feeling that, you know, 2020 only has more and more plot twists for us to uh, for us to unravel as every month goes by. And uh, I'm not. I'm not excited to see any of those plot twists because 99% of them have been absolutely horrible. So on that note, I will bid you adieu, man. I'll talk to you later. Hopefully see you in person soon, uh, but check you later, man. All right, definitely. Keep your thing, man. Keep 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 being the best commentator that Quidditch has ever seen, doing your thing, making moves. You keep it up, man. Doing a great thing. And on that note, I will not – I lesson about me i don't take compliments very well so um there you go yes there we go appreciate it tiger i'll talk to you later dog all right ashton take it easy man there you go ladies and gentlemen and there he goes gary taylor for joining us here on the uh big man biased i'm ashton gene lewis and i will i i guess i'm supposed to take this time period to say something uh profound i will not i will take this time period to plug quid games if you are a quidditch player at home chilling out doing nothing you want some motivation i randomly like last sunday created a facebook group last saturday created a facebook group called quid games it's with a z because it's cooler with a z and it is uh, a quidditch group dedicated to fitness and training and actual healthy 
um, progression as an athlete. And a lot of people have been dropping suggestions. A lot of people, a lot of people have been posting workout videos and workout clips, uh, posting their runs and stuff like that. And it's just the community and Quidditch that wants to support people who are trying to stay in shape, get in shape for the upcoming season that could or could not be happening. And, you know, put some positivity into the world. In the immortal words of Mr. Feeney, do good, not be good. Go out there and do some good. Hit me up on Twitter if you got any questions or anything you need to say about the podcast. Or uh, hit me up on Twitter at the Ashton J or at FB underscore playbook. That's my sports professional account. On uh, Also, subscribe to the 8th Man YouTube channel. Make sure you're checking out the 8th Man on a regular basis. They got new articles they're putting up. If you're not an American Quidditch discussion or you turned off all the notifications for the different regional groups, uh, make sure you stay tuned into all those and everything like that. I think I'm done on that. I don't have a big rant. Just go out there and be positive for the world because everybody can use some positivity as we see the Black Lives Matter movement is transitioned into women empowerment as well as we saw what happened with the Washington Football Club and all the changes that have happened there in the article from the Washington Post. Everybody, go out there and get it. Stay on the grind, stay positive, and most importantly, stay hydrated.